You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. This episode is brought to you by Palo Alto Networks, the leader in cybersecurity. As AI-driven attacks increase, organizations can't afford to have network security that's stuck in the past. Discover how Palo Alto Networks can help you predict what's coming and proactively secure against it with a zero-trust, AI-powered network security platform built to secure whatever, whenever, wherever. To learn more, visit paloaltonetworks.com slash network security platform. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down the threats and vulnerabilities, solving some of the hard problems and protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us. So uh, FritzFrog is a botnet that we have been tracking since 2020. Uh, Akamai originally discovered it, and we were tracking it uh, ever since. And a few months ago, when we uh, inspected the code, we have noticed some very interesting additions, mainly the Log4Shell edition. That's Ori David, a security researcher at Akamai. The research we're discussing today is titled Frog for Shell. Fritz Frog Botnet adds one days to its arsenal. Well, let's back up a little bit and talk about Fritz Frog. What's the history of this particular botnet? How did it begin and who were they targeting over the years? So, uh, as I said before, uh, we've seen uh, Fritz Frog uh, since 2020 being active. And its traditional targets were uh, vulnerable SSH servers. So, uh, SSH servers exposed to the internet with weak credentials. And that Fritz Frog uh, brute forced and uh, took control over. So it didn't target any specific industry. Uh, it simply scanned the internet, identified SSH servers, and attempted to brute force them. And what was the Fritz Frog botnet then used for? Who, who did they aim it at? It's not, uh, like I said before, it's not targeted, uh, but rather their motivation is purely financial they would compromise as many machines as possible, and then they would use those machines to uh, mine uh, Monero. And there's actually an interesting feature for FritzFrog where they have an antivirus module. They know that the uh, machines that they compromise very often uh, have additional malware installed on it because, well, it's an SSH box with a weak password exposed to the internet. And because of that, uh, they identify a competing malware that uh, consumes uh, a lot of CPU and simply uh, terminates them. And then they have all of the CPU for themselves. Yeah, it's a mixed blessing, I guess, right? <laughs> it's it's a, an interesting approach. Well, let's dig into the updates that you all tracked here. I mean, they, they started using Log4Shell as an infection vector here. Um, before we dig into how uh, 
uh, Fritz Frog is using that. Can you give us just a quick uh, reminder of what we're talking about with Log4Shell? So uh, Log4Shell rocked the world two years ago at the end of uh, 2021. It was a very high-profile vulnerability, and for a good reason. It was a vulnerability in a Java library called uh, Log4J. Uh, it is a logging library, uh, which is very commonly used by uh, Java applications. And what the uh, vulnerability was, by getting the application to log a specific payload, attackers could get the uh, Java application to download a malicious Java class and execute it. So in a very simple manner, they could get a code execution on a, all sorts of Java applications across the world. And like I said before, the library was very commonly used and the exploitation was very, very simple. You simply need to get a line logged into a log file by the application, and that's it. You get code execution. So Log4Shell was a really big deal for another reason, and that is it is really hard to patch. So let's say we have our, I don't know, traditional code execution vulnerability, let's say in Windows Server. It's pretty easy to determine if you're vulnerable. You'll check your Windows machines and you'll see if your version is affected. With Log4Shell, because the vulnerability was in a Java library, it was not as trivial to know if a application is vulnerable or even harder to tell if a machine is vulnerable. This made Log4Shell extremely hard to patch. And so where does that leave us today? I mean, you mentioned that, you know, after uh, Log4Shell, there was a real flurry of patching, but I, I suppose there's still plenty of systems that are left vulnerable? Yes. So um, the initial discovery of Log4Shell uh, led to really a, a month-long or months-long uh, frenzy of patching where everyone was trying to identify where they are using Log4J um, and what applications, uh, third-party applications that they use, use Log4J. And during this uh, initial uh, frenzy, some applications received more attention than others. So uh, obviously, uh, applications that were exposed to the internet were prioritized. So anything that was exposed to the internet and was vulnerable to Log4J, to Log4Shell, uh, was either patched or compromised by now. So Fritzrog actually poses an additional risk to another type of asset, and that is internal assets. And uh, like I said before, the traditional log4shell log exploitation relied on access from the internet. But if you had a legacy Java application somewhere inside your network that didn't receive communication from the internet, uh, it was uh, safe because no one could reach it, so no one could exploit it. What Fritzrock does is that whenever it breaches any machine, it will scan the entire internal network of this machine. And now let's say we have just a random SSH server uh, that is not really important, but it was compromised by Fritzrock. Uh, and now this machine is scanning your entire network and it will find the uh, leftover if you will, uh, applications that were not patched. We'll be right back. 
Imagine a world where you're always one step ahead of cyber threats, where your defenses are impenetrable because you see what others don't. Welcome to Team Cymru's Threat Intelligence Solutions. With real-time access to the world's largest threat intelligence data ocean, they enable you to turn the tables on attackers. Transform your security from reactive to proactive through accelerated threat hunting and incident response, made possible through automation. Empower your team with visibility and insights to start defending your organization like never before. Team Cymru, be the hunter, not the hunted. Learn more at team-cymru.com/cyberwire. That's team-cymru.com/cyberwire. So machines that that people perhaps had assumed were safe because they weren't facing the internet, uh, Fritz Frog has found a way to exploit them. Yeah. So in many cases, uh, internal machines were patched as well, but because the external machines received uh, most of the attention, uh, we believe that the malware developers chose to target. Uh, believed that they that they could target internal machines that might have been neglected. Well, can you walk us through the process here of, of how uh, Fritz Frog uh, attacks a system and finds its way in and then uh, makes its way through? An interesting fact about uh, Fritz Frog is that it operates uh, in entirely uh, in a peer-to-peer manner. So there's no C2 server, uh, but rather all of the different uh, bots communicate with each other uh, in a peer-to-peer network. And this is relevant for the exploitation as well. So the payload is also delivered through this network to uh, newly compromised uh, machines. So Fritzfog has uh, two uh, ways of propagations currently, and that is SSH brute force and log4shell exploitation. So uh, Fritzfog will identify targets. It will do that by parsing the um, certain system configuration files. And for example, it will identify your known SSH host from the compromised machine and will then attempt to connect over SSH to these servers. So if the compromised machine previously connected to an SSH server, Frog will attempt to do the same thing. And besides uh, these more targeted targets, uh, Frog will also just randomize IP addresses into the internet and scan them. And that's for the SSH brute force. As for the log4j exploitation, so again, Fritzfrog will generate targets randomly and from the internal network. So it will start by enumerating the internal network. It will scan ports that often host applications that are known to be vulnerable to log4shell. And it will then just blast them, blast them with a massive payload that attempts to exploit log4shell, I would say a brute force approach that contains a lot of different possibilities, hoping that at least one of them triggers uh, the log4shell vulnerability. Once the vulnerability is triggered, uh, interestingly, the newly compromised machine will connect back to the bot, uh, which hosts its own LDAP server, and it will fetch the payload from the bot. So, like I said before, 
the botnet is entirely peer-to-peer. And this is also true for the uh, log4shell exploitation. The uh, machine will connect back to the bot over LDAP. And so this is also a pretty unique thing for uh, FritzFrog regarding the log4shell exploitation. It strikes me that that you know, being configured as a peer-to-peer thing, and, and as you said, you know, downloading large files, um, that strikes me as being potentially noisy here. So, so how does it avoid detection? Yeah, so FritzFrog does a few noisy things, but at the same time, it attempts to avoid detection. The main thing would be that it tries its best to not touch disk um, and operate uh, inside uh, only in, uh, inside the memory, uh, the volatile memory. It utilize, utilizes uh, two uh, mechanisms of the Linux uh, operating systems to, to do that. Yeah, it will, uh, when possible, uh, if given the, uh, the right permissions, it will not write any files to disk and will also, uh, only work inside the RAM. So what are your recommendations for folks to best protect themselves against this? So first, I would say, is the most important thing to protect from FritzFrog, but other botnets and automated uh, scanners as well, would be to identify your internet-exposed applications. Uh, because a lot of times there are these uh, SSH servers that no one knows about, uh, and this is how FritzFrog gets in. So I, first you need to identify the servers and then harden them. Specifically for FritzFrog, uh, SSH passwords uh, should be not used if possible. Uh, SSH keys would be better. And if you use the password, it should be strong. Obviously, uh, you should patch for uh, log4shell if you're still vulnerable somehow. That is for the uh, initial entry for FritzFrog. I would also say that uh, network segmentation can really help prevent uh, lateral movement of such a worm-like uh, botnet. If you have a flat network, FritzFrog will simply scan everything and exploit it, if possible. And so really, I think that a good firewall policy and good segmentation can help contain such a breach in a really significant way. You know, Aurea, I think you and I have both uh, demonstrated tremendous discipline here in resisting the urge to, uh, to use frog puns throughout our conversation here. <laughs> and I just want to say that uh, when it comes to patching your log for shell, you should really hop to it. <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely. <laughs> Our thanks to Ori David from Akamai for joining us. The research is titled Frog for Shell, Fritz Frog Botnet adds one days to its arsenal. We'll have a link in the show notes. Hey everybody, I want to take a few minutes here and talk about our sponsor, Splunk. You know, you need to keep operations humming around the clock, but potential disruptions are everywhere. Splunk helps you predict problems and find and fix issues fast so you can reduce risk and ditch downtime. The world's largest enterprises rely on Splunk's unified security and observability platform to become more efficient, resilient, and innovative. 
With Splunk, you can react quickly, evolve faster, and be ready for anything. Stay ahead of disruptions. Learn more at splunk.com slash resilience. The CyberWire Research Saturday podcast is a production of N2K Networks. N2K Strategic Workforce Intelligence optimizes the value of your biggest investment, your people. We make you smarter about your team while making your team smarter. Learn more at n2k.com. This episode was produced by Liz Stokes. Our mixer is Elliot Peltzman. Our executive producers are Jennifer Iben and Brandon Karp. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next time. Hold up. 